everything paranormal. Para-X. The views expressed and the opinions given by the individual host and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Para-X, its affiliates, or its sponsors. The Gathering. The supernatural world can be a dark, intimidating, and scary place. We gather to shine light on the mysterious and misunderstood aspects of the paranormal world. We bring to the table years of experience as mediums, healing channels, and paranormal investigators. We share true stories from our experiences to dispel fear where we can and help you discover the amazing layers that make up the paranormal world. You are invited to gather around the metaphysical table with us and discuss the worlds of the unseen on The Gathering Radio Show. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to The Gathering Radio Show on the Para-X Radio Network. My name is Heidi. And I'm Stephanie, and this is Toki Tuesday. Yay! How are you tonight, Heidi? I am good. How's it going? Great. Great. Good. What you been up to chill. this last week? Oh, this and that. Mostly a lot of that. Oh, dear. <laughs> Busy as usual, right? How about you? Uh, good. I think my... Halloween fall season is now going to be winding down as of this weekend. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's good. It's spilled over a little bit longer than normal, but that's okay. It's been busy, but good. So it was my last out of town for a while. And uh, so I'm glad and sad, I mean, for teaching classes and stuff like that. So that was uh, that was good. It was a good weekend. We had our last weekend of our women's circle. Um, we were up north for that, and it was awesome and beautiful and amazing. And so, yeah, that was kind of the the grand finale of the fall season for classes and events. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so mm-hmm. it was good. And that's crazy. was this weekend. And it's a, yeah, we it's been a crazy we, season this year for sure. Yeah. We've got a few classes coming up, paranormal classes, because those just don't seem to stop, which is fine, but a lot less than I've had this fall. Yeah, 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 I hear you. I know we've had a lot lot of stuff going on, too. Um, So, well, let's bring on Howard. So our guest tonight is Howard Garrett with the Oregon Network and Toki's Legacy and the whole nine yards. So hi, Howard. Welcome back to the table. Hi, Stephanie and Heidi. I'm so Hello. happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. And, you know, talking about paranormal, Howard, I don't know. Have you ever been? I, I keep telling people about the um, mausoleum up on San Juan Island. Have you been there? I have. It's been years. But, yeah, that's a, a, a kind of a eerie place. Oh, yeah, yeah. And there's, you know, there is there is activity there. And Deb, so Casey and I, when we were out there, Beginning of October, we, um, Deborah came and stayed with us for a night or two and we went up there and we did a little mini, mini investigation. You know, we had all of our stuff and Deborah was funny because she said, you know, the, the chairs, if you remember right, have, um, 
the remains of the Macmillan clan, right? So everyone has a different a different one. And she said, Steffi, my butt is vibrating. Like there's things. And I said, yeah, I know. <laughs> They're talking to you. And she's like, oh my God, you know? So anyway, it was kind of funny, but it was just a sure one. But yeah, that's kind of a weird place up there too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. It has its own uh, weird qualities. Yes. Mm-hmm. I can't explain it. I know. It's crazy. It's crazy. So how are you after all the festivities of last weekend on island and that was a wonderful ceremony for Toki and Ken. Oh, I guess I've wound down, um, but then brought back up with all the photos and videos and remembrances mm-hmm. and keeping in touch with people who were there or who couldn't be there. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing fine, though. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. And, you know, I, I hardly got any pictures. I got like two pictures when we were there, which is crazy. And I knew people would be sending them, though, right? We knew we'd find, we'd see them, you know. So, and slowly but surely, they're trickling in. Right, yeah. The uh, the son of the, the ranch manager out on the Elwha was there with mm-hmm. his camera, and he got a lot of them. Did he? Airdropped them all into my phone so <gasps> I could just uh, post them. So I put a bunch of them up. Nice. Nice. And that was that was uh, Austin, right? We met him. Austin, indeed. Yeah. Yes. 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 That was fun that night. Yeah, yeah. So, well, today is Toki TV. So I thought we'd talk a little bit about Toki. And um, we've talked a little bit about what happened to her here on the air, but it was so early on that all I could do is cry. So now I think we're in a better spot. <laughs> so. I'm going to turn it over to you and let's talk about maybe a little bit about what happened and the amazing thing that happened on the west side of the island right around that time. Okay. Well, I could give a, a chronology and it has to include my epiphany, mm-hmm. my revelation, my <laughs> my uh, comeuppance in a way because uh, it, it showed me something that I I didn't. Uh, didn't understand and and didn't quite believe before, but uh, boy, it sure came clear. Well, okay, so uh, Toki died August 18th, but mm-hmm. she was downhill, going downhill from that. That was a Friday, and it was Wednesday afternoon. She lost her appetite and then didn't eat all Thursday, but didn't really look all that bad, but... Um, uh, you know, but she wasn't eating. But, you know, how do you tell? You know, mm-hmm. he's an enigma. You know, she's kind of doesn't really have facial expressions, you know, so it's hard to tell how she's feeling for us. Um, so that was uh, Thursday afternoon is when she really went downhill. And and sometime that evening or early the next morning, they dropped the pool level so they could gather around her and hold her up and give her medications and try to do what they could. Uh, And that was on Friday. And at one o'clock Miami time, she breathed her last and Mm -hmm. just uh, faded into the other side. Mm -hmm. But somehow they knew her family knew. I, 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 I just, I can't deny it. Um, And I had heard other stories and and my mind was open 
to it because, you know, like the time that Secretary of State Ralph Monroe held a memorial ceremony for his namesake, the orca named Ralph, Mm -hmm. who died back in 1999. And he held a memorial and sure enough, J-Pod came (laughs) from, you know, a long way away around the bend Mm -hmm. and showed up right at the appointed hour and stopped and started breaching. Uh, you know, they seem to have a sense of this was an important ceremonial occasion for for Ralph. And somehow, Toki's family came in from the Pacific, and they had not been in for a long time, mm-hmm. and they all came in. Um, Jay's, K's, and Elpod came in on Thursday and came right to the west side of San Juan Island, the core of their favorite foraging habitat, where there are more salmon, well, historically. I mean, that's not the case so much for the last about 13, 14 years. But historically, when Toki was there, was the most abundant place to have a picnic and gather with your family and party and do super pot activities and ceremonies and all those amazing, wonderful things that they do. And they gathered there and it just either happened to be, or maybe they wanted it to be right under the webcam that is Mm -hmm. placed on the lighthouse. And they were there for about three hours uh, from what I can gather, mm-hmm. uh, the, the only record that I know of now was about a 20-minute compilation of the best of the, the the middle of it, from 3.30 until 4.30. And I saw that live, actually. I saw, mm-hmm. saw it during that time. I was watching live, and I was blown away by this strange behavior Orcas, you know, they, they are either foraging or they're traveling or they're socializing or they're kind of playing around or doing sometimes kind of mysterious ceremonies where they'll gather up and mm-hmm. they'll line up and do certain things. And, and uh, you know, I mean, those are wonderful to see. But this was none of that. This yeah. was just kind of, you know, all directional uh, rolling around, a little tail lob here, a little half breach there, kind of bumping into each other, but but not synchronized, you know, mm-hmm. really in any particular way. But it was all at this kind of steady, slow pace. Uh, I don't know what to equate it to, but, you know, kind of like a dance troupe that is all moving at the same slow mm-hmm. motion. Um but it was very, very strange. And it wasn't until the next day, almost 24 hours, that I got a call from the Seattle Times saying, uh, can you interpret this tweet we just got from the owner of the Sequarium? Mm-hmm. And it talked about how she was a warrior. And I did not understand that past tense. Mm. made no sense to me and within minutes though I got a call from Annette and uh, mm-hmm. and, and we all cried together mm. um, yeah so it wasn't until then that I found out and then I put it together that 
wait a minute, yesterday her family were in there showing to me all the signs of a grieving family. I mean, mm -hmm. I'll just say it, you know, I, I, but I mean, I, I shudder to interpret because yeah. I cannot say what they were doing or what was going on, but it was sure like they were feeling her pain. Mm -hmm. They were feeling her, uh, you know, I mean, they, you know, orcas anatomically, you know, is right in their brain. They've got mm -hmm. this big paralimbic lobe that kind of spans the right and left hemisphere and, and, and humans barely have one. You know, mm -hmm. but they've got this, you know, really enlarged one and, you know, in their brains, which are already five times the size of humans anyway. Mm -hmm. So they've got a lot of brain power and it's dedicated to empathy from the best that at least the scientists can can guess is that it helps to uh, further communications and understanding and social life and so they may have it so finely tuned so highly calibrated i mean i don't even know what i'm talking about here but <laughs> but somehow they have some way to to connect across the continent mm -hmm. and i you know i've I, I, I've never ruled that out. I've just never understood it, but I've never seen it so clearly before yeah. as I did, you know, that day live, then looking back and putting it together and seeing what it had to be. So I, uh, yeah, um, th there's something really amazing going on there. And I just didn't even, didn't even know it at the time, but I think it's a whole new yeah, a uh, whole new window into work, uh, social life, to say the least. Yeah. Well, I think they're at a much higher frequency than we are, right? A much higher level of consciousness, for sure. And yeah. and then the next when she actually died, though, that was interesting too. Well, what they it, were doing. It that. That was interesting in the human drama mm -hmm. area, I because mm -hmm. she was like whisked away. Mm -hmm. um, she mm -hmm. was into a stretcher. Mm -hmm. uh, that was, you know, at four p.m. in uh, you know in August, um, and by seven p.m. she was on a truck, yeah, or in a truck, and being carted off to uh, mm -hmm. University of Georgia uh, Veterinary School, which has had a long relationship with the Sequarium. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, a, a necropsy was conducted that uh, we still don't really know anything about. No. No. Uh, I mean, there was only, you know, one, one Seattle Times report about the uh, the necropsy that said there were 15 specialists on hand. Well, we've only gotten one name, mm -hmm. and, and she is a, a, a you know career Sea World veterinarian. Yeah, um, and one sort of you know editorial summary. Um, so there really hasn't been any results. 
that can be, you know, looked at objectively by other people, nor have there been any other uh, names associated, you mm-hmm. know, to to sort of to help uh, confirm credibility. So mm-hmm. um, it seems, uh, you know, I, I don't know what happened there. I just yeah. I really don't know. It, it was very shocking because she was so healthy. She wow. was looking so good for months, and that made sense because her care and her conditions of, of her pool and her mm-hmm. food had all been greatly improved. She was getting top-notch care uh, yes. funded by people who cared about her, not mm-hmm. not to keep her alive as a circus animal, right? but about her because she's she was toky. Yeah. And she was getting, you know, uh, visitors, and you know, partly it was uh, her her old trainer friends. You know, mm-hmm. there were a couple of the trainers in her long life who had been really good to her, mm-hmm. and she responded, and they Absolutely. understood. Mm-hmm. Um, Marcia Hinton was one, yep. obviously, um, and also Raynell Morris came mm-hmm. to see her with Shirley many Bob. times. Yeah, many times, mm-hmm. and and sang to her and talked to her and and interacted and and she she splashed her back. Yeah, know? right. That's right now's story. Yeah, yeah. That's a sign of affection. That's mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. just a little. Let's play. You know, I enjoy being with you. Let's engage. You know, I that's sort of her way of communicating. Yeah. So it was beautiful, and she was. Responding in, by every indication, um, including her, you know, her blood work. I mean, the labs were improving. She still had some lingering, you know, uh, infection problems, but uh, but they were they were on the road to recovery. And mainly, it was her behavior. I mean, she was just so energetic and swimming in circles, speed swimming, and and paying just keen attention to everything going on. And, and just, you know, very much alive and alert and like sharing in the excitement because there were people in there who who could see that uh, she was going home. Yeah. And and I'm sure she picked up on that. I mean, yeah. <laughs> talk about empathy. It wouldn't be that hard. You know, I don't mm-hmm. I don't know how much, you know, it, of the language <laughs> she might understand, but she can sure, you know, she, read I, the yeah. moods. I think so, she could understand us way more, you know, yeah, and I then when too. she, but you know, the other thing that we talked about too, is how, when she passed away, Howard up, up on the West side. So the family had gathered again and right. remember what you said about, I think Giles talked about how she was out in a boat and ocean son, who we believe is Togi's mom. And she's like 90 some years old. I don't know exact the exact number, Howard. Um, she was kind of away from the rest of them, kind of swimming by herself, solo. Like right. she was welcoming her back to very the pod much. because she, she was there. Very much. It was very spiritual, very spiritual. It it, it absolutely was. Um, yeah, the Center for Whale Research team was out there when they got the news, and so was Giles mm-hmm. uh, doing her, her studies. And yes, uh, and I've seen the photos of Ocean Sun being just 
out there, mm -hmm. maybe a quarter, a half mile away from the others, just kind of off on the horizon yep. by herself is, yep. and, uh, and her immediate family, we believe the L12s is the name of the matriline, mm -hmm. uh, were in closer to shore, but, um, you know, yeah. I, I, I don't, you know, they, they were, they were socializing. It's hard to interpret behavior, but, but they were right there. I mean, that, mm -hmm. that's where Toki grew up. I mean, mm -hmm. if, you know, if you remember your backyard, that was her backyard. That was hers. Yeah. I'm sure she remembered it. You know, it's where she went to play and, and have family fun. Mm -hmm. So, um, that, yeah. that was where they went to, to be with her in her last hours yeah. and after. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, too, you think that, and we all think that she was connected with them, you know, the, her whole life. It didn't matter that she was in Miami and they were up in the Salish Sea. They were connected because they're at such a much higher plane than we are. Right. Well, that. now I, I sure do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I sort of hoped that and thought maybe, but now mm -hmm. um, I, I am quite sure. Plus... Uh, she was calling in yes. in those exact communications signals that she learned from her family mm -hmm. before she was captured. She was calling out to them. And, you know, I sort of always thought, well, that kind of conjures up her memory of them. And it's sort of like looking at a family album and it's comforting. But maybe she was really actually Talking communicating them. with them. Absolutely. Well, that's what yeah. I... That's what I like to believe. That's what I like to I, believe. I, I do now. I, yeah. I wasn't so sure, but I saw it. Well, and you know, like Raynell said, she feels like the ancestors called her home. And she went willingly and happily to them. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so now we just have to know that she's in a better place. And she's spoken to all of us in, our, in her own way. Mm-hmm. Well, I have spoken to a couple of people who were there, and, and she went peacefully. Mm -hmm. Very, mm -hmm. uh, you know, just, yep. just quietly and, yep. and the way she went. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it was just such a shock. I'll just never forget the call from Annette that day, because that was the last thing I thought was she was going to call about. I thought, what is she calling? Yeah. Do we know? She's going. She's going home. Well, she was going home. In different way yeah. than what we had hoped for. Right. But, yeah, that was awful yeah. day. Ufta. Um, yeah. and, so now, and so now we have Toki's legacy. And do you want to talk a little bit about that? Toki's legacy is our way of honoring her and remembering her and carrying out what we are sure are her wishes, which mm -hmm. is to honor and respect her family. Mm -hmm. And that's first and foremost. And from that, from that sort of shift in, well, I'm, you know, not that that's a big shift for many of us. Right. <laughs> because we all have, uh, yeah. but to renew that and to follow through with, Real deeds, real mm -hmm. actions, real efforts to to help them um, have a safe and productive habitat uh, that 
they can live well in. Uh, This is their home. Mm -hmm. You know, we've messed it up in many ways. So we, our civilization, but we need to do everything we can to bring back those conditions that uh, they and their ancestors for eons have lived in uh, very happily and successfully. Uh, And that really comes down to primarily salmon, Mm -hmm. their good food, which there isn't any better food on the planet. Um, And it was in such abundance for 10,000, 15,000 years uh, and probably more so maybe in, you know, because Mm -hmm. there were ice sheets (laughs) back then, but they uh, they lived here because it was a beautiful, wonderful place to live, and it gave them plenty to eat. And something that I'm not the only one to have observed this, but when orcas are well fed, they like to party. Yeah, <laughs> they, they like to get together and socialize, and it looks like they're doing line dances and and just. Uh, the mm-hmm. underwater acoustics are just off the charts sometimes. In fact, that just happened just uh, a couple of nights ago. There's a, a new hydrophone on the n- north of the San Juan Islands. It's in Boundary Pass on the Canadian mm-hmm. side, but it's where they come down. Uh, and there was about a half an hour of just wall to wall, nonstop party chatter Wildness. i mean it was yes it wow. really was it was so <laughs> great to hear we love it um, yeah um it, it was great so it's well you know one of the, can do that yeah one of the things too that i think is that you know with this you know you mentioned if you're well fed you're you're happy and want to party and i think that that that's any species right that oh, if yeah. you're not worried about food a food source mm-hmm. that there's so much less stress, you know, and uh, that sense of urgency that isn't there. Now, of course, there's always awareness of other things too. But if you know that there's food, I mean, that's a huge, that's a huge stressor if you don't have it. So I would imagine any species would be uh, feel a lot more comfortable or have a lot more time for play mm-hmm. if they're able to uh, to eat well. And so that's great to see that they're able to celebrate and have good, you know, kind of have a good time, right? Because it's one less stressor as they have so many more anyway, Mm -hmm. uh, just one less on their plate. Yeah. Right. And Howard, do you remember it was in early July, it was around the 4th when Casey and I were out there and they were, we were all on whatever that was that we were showing you what we were seeing and they were happy then too. And it was like ocean sun was teaching her granddaughters how to fish and whatever she was doing. I don't know. That's what my analogy, she was taking care of them, you know, and they seemed happy then too. Like they were well fed and that was the best I've seen them behave for a long time too, because it seems like every time I see them, they're they're just, you know, they're foraging, they're looking for food actually, you know, so, I mean, something's happening, I think, that maybe yeah, this is good. I agree. And whatever she was teaching him it, is what she taught Toki. 
Yes. And what her whole family taught her. And it was yep. certainly how to catch and share fish. They they do. I mean, they always share fish. Yes. And it's, a, yes. it's just a part of their, their culture to do that. But so much more, you know, oh, that we can't yeah. see in terms of, I, you know, just how to relate to each other, how mm -hmm. how to feel and act toward each other, and and I mean they are each other. There is a book written by uh, our dear friend Astrid Van Ginniken called "Togetherness Is Their Home." Mm -hmm. I mean that's you know it's not four walls, it's not a den, it's it's a it's yeah. their togetherness it is how how that's home you know, and who they are really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, also I'm wondering, so so you mentioned this just happened a couple nights ago or whatever, the microphone thing in the north in the Boundary Pass. You mm -hmm. know that they've, Canada, I was just reading, I I follow Alexandra Morton, who's up on, in the British, you know, you know who she is. She's a fabulous researcher. Um, she's up in British Columbia. And she has been campaigning for decades to get rid of the salmon farms because they do nothing but pollute the environment. Sea lice happen everywhere. The, those those critters get out and then they contaminate the wild salmon and they're gone now. And the salmon are becoming big and they're coming out of the, you know, coming into the sea from the rivers. And maybe they were up there. Do we know where they were? We, I guess we don't know. But they were close to the, I mean, coming from that way, right? They could be... Yeah, close to up there. I mean, that's where the northern resident community lives. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But those salmon farms were kind of right there in between. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, they were probably up there and, and yeah. Uh, yeah, just filling up on those, you know, big old fat salmon coming in from the ocean. So mm -hmm. that, yeah, and there's nobody up there to watch them. So, no. We don't yeah. know. They just appear for two or three days at a time, and then they're just somewhere in the Strait of Georgia. <laughs> but but it's, great. it's great that they're happy yeah. and having a good time. <laughs> it is. It is. It's just oh, so great yeah. to see it. It's, it's a, definitely a mood lifter for us. I yes. mean, that's, that's, that's work of magic, working on Absolutely. us, and it's beautiful to Absolutely. see. Okay, well, we're 30 minutes past the hour, so we're going to go to commercial break, but we'll be back with Howard Garrett. This is The Gathering Radio Show right here on the Para-X Radio Network. Hi, it's Tori DeVito. In every family, small conversations can make a big impact, like when my dad shared his experiences as an alcoholic. Your honesty about that part of your life gave me a sense of integrity that I wanted to uphold in my own life. I wanted you to know from someone who's been in recovery more than 30 years now that hard work is what creates success, not alcohol or other drugs. I said it a lot, and I'm glad you took it to heart. Talk. They hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. For a truly unique podcast experience, we have you covered. Spirit Bayou with C.J. Dunham airs live from the Third Coast in Southeast Texas on Tuesday and Fridays at midnight Eastern Time, covering Creole folklore and folk magic to strange paranormal activity to new equipment for the field. C.J. Dunham is a Catholic swamp witch, a devotee to our Mother Mary in the Trinity, a true believer in our Lord, the Holy Ghost, and Christ. Peace be with your spirit and the spirits by you.
amazing guests like me. Whatever. Paranormal and true crime stories and more. Catch her Wednesdays at 8 Central on the Para-X Radio Network. Whether you're listening at home, at work, or anywhere, thanks for making Para-X part of your day. Your source for everything paranormal. Para-X. Welcome back to the Gathering Radio Show on the Para-X Radio Network. We have Howard Garrett from the Orca Network with us today and had some really cool uh, discoveries and stories about uh, Toki and the whales and eating and partying. Um, I mean, we've talked about all sorts of good stuff when it comes <laughs> to whales. So thanks for being on with us tonight, Garrett. And uh, I know you have a lot more to cover, so we'll let you to it here. All right. What shall we talk about next, Stephanie? Well, I think we should talk a little bit about Ken. And, um, you know, last weekend we had, it was a big ceremony for both. It was for both Ken and Toki. And it was very moving and very powerful. And I had never been to a salmon. Um, I don't know how you said, how did we say that? It was a salmon. We put salmon in the water. I didn't. I but Offering to the ocean. Yes. 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 Um, and it was it was totally awesome. And, you know, Ken's son, Kelly, read that proclamation from the governor, which was so awesome. But it was yeah. just really a good way to for both of them. But I think you should talk just a little bit about Ken and he, because he was such a big part of whale research about bringing Toki home, you know, the whole nine yards. And then we can lead into the whole salmon I mean, to the whole dams, you know, talk about yeah. that too. Yeah. yeah, well, right. Dams and salmon are mm-hmm. the same, same. topic. Same. Um, well, yeah, thanks for that. Um, from that ceremony, that song that CML Witt oh, yeah. and Doug and then all of us oh. began singing. Mm. Remember, we yeah. love you. We let <laughs> yes. you go to, to the, the other, other side. side. Yeah, it seems so simple and childlike, yes. but it's exactly what <sighs> we needed to to say and sing and it feel. It was a real unifier. Absolutely, uh, for for both Toki and Ken mm-hmm. um, to to let go. Um, hard to do. Yeah. Ken was um, a scientist. I mean, he 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 learned uh, from the, the the best in the world of whale science, and uh, had that opportunity to start that study of southern resident orcas back in 1976, before anybody even knew there were southern resident orcas, mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. they'd really been identified and described for science. So he was a part of that you know, groundwork to, to, to begin to build our understanding of who they really are. Because before that, it was all myth and superstition and fear and, you know, the killer whale and all. Mm-hmm. So he really did contribute with the knowledge from the, well, the method of photo identification, getting to know the individuals, you know, which is a way of sort of honoring and respecting each individual because you do get to know them. And Ken had a deep, deep respect. And I think it 
you know, it, it goes way back. He didn't talk about it a whole lot. He didn't wear it on his sleeve. He he kept to the scientific rigor of the, you know, the, the method and the publications and all that. But uh, he grew and grew more and more to have this real respect for them. I mean, there was the time and, and he wrote it uh, up in an article in a magazine about when he was uh, in that first year, I think in 76, that he was in a little boat and there was no GPS, you know, this was before all that. And uh, a huge fog bank rolled in between him and the the dock 20 miles away mm-hmm. on San Juan Island. And here comes J-Pod and much like they knew exactly what he was going through and to help him <laughs> because there were rocks in the way. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, a, a two degree, you know, miscalculation could have, you know, mm-hmm. you could have just sank. So they guided him 20 miles across Harrow Strait right to Snug Harbor mm-hmm. to where he had a safe berth at the at the dock. So. Um, you know, that must have opened up his eyes a little bit. Yeah. To, <laughs> to you know, that do. story was in something that I got oh, probably 30 years ago, and it was in a little book. I, it must have been put out by Ken or the Whale Museum or something. Do you remember that? I can't remember what it was called. I still have um, it somewhere. I'll have to dig it out. Yeah, but. Well, um, yeah, that might have been Orcas in Our Midst. The That's it. That's that it. I you did. got it. Yeah, yep. yeah. yeah, I wrote that. Oh, you wrote that. Oh, yeah. you wrote that. Yay, I didn't even know. Yeah, See, it's well, been so I, long since I eyeballed it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad you I remember it. it. Yeah. Um, right. But then I was just uh, talking about this article that was just brought out from 2015 from the uh, San Juan Islands Island Sounder newspaper where Ken was interviewed. Uh, so, you know, like eight years ago. And he was uh, saying, I'm not quite sure how they got him to open up like this, but that, uh, oh, yeah, well, orcas may well be the superior species. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that they may wonder about those, you know, two-legged monkeys on the shore (laughs) and think, you know, they seem to have whale-like intelligence. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Which is a real reversal, you know, which is is great, but also scientifically founded. I mean, you know, he would say these things that were way out of the box, just kind of astounding observations. But he he had he could back it up. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he, he really he did have the experience. It's not that it was published, established science, but he had the objective, you know, observational uh capacity you know to to be able to see it without having the restrictions you know the the sort of the, oh no we can't go there mm-hmm. you know because mm-hmm. if it's happening out there you got to look at it um alexandra morton is another one who uh, has gained serious respect yeah. for for orcas from her experiences with them yeah so mm-hmm. ken was uh Ken was, you know, true to his word, true to his science, always, you know, uh, gentle and hospitable and and uh, giving to others. Um, and 
uh, high integrity. I mean, that's I think what I admired most is is uh, he, even when he was in a room full of people who were full of themselves and absolutely sure that you know the dams had to stay. For instance, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if he's in that conversation, if he's in a meeting or something. He's going to just, you know, lay it out with the facts and figures, with the actual truth about mm-hmm. what, you know, what the dams are doing. And um, it cost him some grief sometimes. That's why he wanted to to showcase the Elwha River recovery. Because when those dams were removed from that river 10 years ago, the salmon came back and, and Ken... Uh, had an opportunity to, to, for the Center for Whale Research to buy a ranch on the bank of that river to, to showcase it, to highlight, to bring attention, and to contribute to the restoration, to make it a wildland, to rewild it. And that's what we're doing. We're tearing down fences, and we're opening it up, and, and it's going to be native plants and and it's all going to nurture that river. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what is underway right now. And that was uh, those are Ken's last wishes. That's what he wanted us to do. So we're fulfilling that. And this year, you were at the river and you saw the big fat salmon hanging around, going Absolutely. to the sea, right? So let's yeah. talk a little bit about that because I've seen the pictures and they looked really good, right? It was amazing. Yeah, we were there in uh, in July and August, and and uh, there's a place where you can look down into a kind of a deep, calm pool in the river. There's a lot of rapids, but then there's places where where it's kind of deep and calm, and you can look right down about 30 feet down to the water, and there were at least 25 big, fat salmon just staging right there they they were just they come up a lot of rapids like 10 miles of rapids and they were resting up and uh trying to get their bearings and and get uh, some sense of uh, what's upstream and where is a place where they can go and spawn and and carry on their their sort of sacred duty to regenerate their population and and uh, recolonize the habitat that is now open to them. It was a beautiful thing to see. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, that restoration is coming right along, doing okay. well. So that happened on that river. And so of course, breaching the dams is a big subject right now. So can we touch a little bit about that? And specifically the Snake River dams, the Lower Snake River dams. Yeah, um, absolutely. Absolutely, because we need to talk about it, because there there's so many uh, naysayers, there's so much opposition, it's so well established and well financed and entrenched, and, you know, politicians are are either in the pocket or afraid, you mm-hmm. know, to, to step out, so uh, it's really a, a, a difficult topic, but, but it's got to be done. It yeah. was in 2014 that uh, we really announced it uh, with Ken and me and Jim Waddell and Sharon Grace and uh, several others. Uh, it was when J28 died 
uh, and uh, and her her young offspring. I forget how old, but you know, one or two years old. We knew he wasn't going to make it without his mm-hmm. mom at that age. Um, and we had the news, and so we uh, took it down to Seattle to announce it, and we invited all the media. And they came, and it was a beautiful day on a on a kind of a parking lot rooftop, um, right over Puget Sound, and that is when we really made the case right there uh, for the media. I've got I've got all the records of that, but mm-hmm. but we made uh, you know tried to sort of you know announce it there uh, with the sort of the shock value of the loss of another young mother. You know, and her and of starvation, right? She, yes, she starvation. literally starved to death. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's what is the problem. And that's yeah. been demonstrated by, you know, many different kinds of studies. Um, and and but ever since, I mean, we have just been arguing all we can. And OK, just to give uh, your readers or listeners who may not be uh, completely well versed is there are four dams on the Snake River, which is a tributary of the mighty Columbia. And in fact, it's it's the it could have been named the Columbia and the other tribute, you know, other branch could have been called the tributary. It's really equal to the Columbia River. And it goes up into wildlands in Idaho, primarily. Mm-hmm. It also, it's blocked by dams, but it also reaches all the way to the Rockies and to Montana. But what what is what is there for the salmon are still 5,500 square miles of pristine wilderness habitat. Mm-hmm. Beautiful habitat, mountainsides and rivers and streams that are just prime, perfect for salmon spawning and have been since time immemorial. But in the 60s and 70s, the Army Corps of Engineers, with whatever political you know forces were afoot, uh, were able to build four dams. And in the run-up to the dams, um, Congress said, well, you have to guarantee that this won't harm the salmon. <laughs> and, and so the Army Corps was forced to ask the directors of wildlife uh, agencies in four states around there, Washington, Oregon, Idaho, and Montana. And they all said, oh, no, if you build those dams, it's going to kill the salmon. There's just no way around it. There's no way to give them safe passage because it's not so much the passage up the river, which, you know, you can try to to facilitate with ladders, Mm -hmm. you know, little steps that they climb up. But Mm -hmm. the worst harm comes from the little smolts Mm -hmm. that are only six or eight inches long and they're coming down from the mountain where they have lived their first uh, maybe a year, and they're headed to the sea, and they hit those stagnant pools. And there's 140 miles of back-to-back reservoirs that these dams create that block their flow. They can't go anywhere, and so they because they don't just swim to the ocean; they flow. And actually, they flow 
in reverse because they're kind of oriented back up to the mountain. <laughs> I, I think of it as if I park in a big parking lot, you know, when I walk away, I look back at where my car is, so I'll know where to go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, I, you know, so they're kind of doing that. They're oriented back to the mountain, but they've got to get to the sea in a certain amount of time. They have this metabolic transition to salt water. And if they don't hit salt water when they're supposed to, you know, they're not equipped for the freshwater anymore. But they're, that's what happens. They're stuck in freshwater, but it's not really fresh. It's overheated and stagnant and full of predators mm -hmm. and diseases. And they just don't make it to the yeah. ocean. And that is what is decimating the populations of mm -hmm. salmon and there is just inevitable there is nothing you can do with any kind of uh you know rube goldberg uh setups to try to sluice them down you know around the dams or anything you can't do that they're just stuck you know in these big reservoirs so yeah. the dams have to come down or the salmon go away and mm -hmm. and when they go away the orcas die yeah and so do so many other critters and people who depend on those salmon. Yeah, so, and the dams aren't needed. The dams are not needed. It's, no, it's, they're not. It's a they're fallacy not. that they need them for power or whatever it is that they're saying. I know, it's so over-dramatized, mm -hmm. but those can be replaced in so many mm -hmm. ways. Mm -hmm. uh, so, right, the dams are not I, needed, the salmon are. I was watching a um, documentary I believe, and I can't remember where it was, but they were talking about the dams and how outdated they are. And that, yes, at one point they might have been used for power or something, but the 99% of the dams that are out there are are outdated completely and can be torn out. And yeah. because we have other ways of doing it, better ways, more efficient ways of doing it, and how much destruction happens because of these dams, it's not worth it to keep it to keep them in um, what they're doing, like you're saying. So, yeah, it's it's so amazing to see. And I just I see more and more articles coming out about steps yeah. taken towards more dams coming out. And the dams are, you know, it's it's becoming a big focus because, yeah, it's it's wrecking the, the chain of life. Right. And yeah, yeah. there's so many species, there's so many humans uh, that mm -hmm. that need this to survive. And um, so it's so it's so great to see this. Yeah, it truly and, is. And, you know, many things are happening right now, Howard, right? I mean, really promising things, you know, like, for example, that reporter that we talked to a month or so ago got mm -hmm. the funding. So now he's going to do the whole documentary about let's tear down the farms. And he's talked to you. Hasn't he been to the ranch? And he's uh, talked yes. to, and he's yeah, talked to yeah. Raynell. He's talked to all the all all of our native sisters and brothers about this too. And so, I mean, there, you know, and everybody get, you know, we need to we need to you know, text the White House. We need to tell them we need to we need to remove these dams. That's the big effort, you know. It's actually and, a pleasure um, to call the White House. I mean, call they the White House. Answer, and you can talk to them and give yep. them the message, and yep. they will relay it to yep. the president. So you can even text. Uh, I mean, it's can, so yes. simple. Yes. Yep. And you can do it every day. You can do it every day. That's the other thing. <laughs> if yeah. you so desire. Yeah. Yeah. I know. That, yeah. That's, it really does add up, and and that can make a a huge amount of difference. And, you know, the Klamath dams are coming down. The four mm -hmm. dams on the Klamath River, one is already <laughs> removed. 
Yes. By this time yes. next year, I believe the other three will be gone. And isn't that so going to be fabulous? That's, that's just a wonderful yeah, thing. Because that's also a, a major salmon-bearing river. So that'll open up that river to the salmon. Well, and the proof is in the pudding. All they need to come is come to the ranch there and look at those big fat salmon sitting there in that Elwha River. And all. yeah, this is a good thing. You know, yep. and the Klamath will do the same thing. And now if we can just get those snake ones done, it'll be right. fantastic. Yeah, those salmon in the Elwha literally beat their heads against the wall of that lower dam for 100 years. And, and then finally it, the dams come down and okay, you know. Now we can go. They're now on the way. <laughs> and isn't it, didn't Christina say once that there is like 9 million salmon that die every year because they can't get past the dams. And those are salmon yeah. that could yeah. be feeding our orcas. Yeah, more than you 2 know? million in each dam, in each reservoir die. Yep. Right. Just think. It's just yeah. unbelievable amount, you know. So... Right. So that's part of Toki's legacy as well. Cause it certainly is. And that's, you know, in her honor, that's that just, you know, adds to our motivation mm-hmm. to do that for her. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, that was our promise to her. And I remember her specifically saying, well, Howard, even when you were with us, when we were up in Bellingham and we took the dip in the sea, remember how Toki played with us? I, it was Toki, for sure. <laughs> I thought you were going to float away. I was scared to death because you were the one who said, I'm not going to do that. And then you were the first one in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I went and- out to see Toki. <laughs> oh my gosh. And she showed up, boy, you know, and she yeah. knocked us all on our butts, you know, out there in that sea. <laughs> but, you know, her words, I remember right after she passed away and, and we were out there and it was Christina and I and Casey and, and Deborah, and we were all out in the sea and, you know, we heard it, we all heard it, you know, and she said, you know, don't cry for me. Take care of my family. This is what I want you to do. And so I'll never forget that because we all talked about it. You know, we didn't talk about it at first, but then afterwards we said, this is what I heard. And it, it right down. And then we came to see you and Susan at the center shortly after. And we had the video of being knocked over. <laughs> we just never learn, right? We just keep doing it because it's fun. But um, yeah, it was amazing. So that's our promise to Toki is to take care Absolutely. of the family. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's so sacred obligation, and, and it is, it is, it is our sacred obligation. So and this is, we work. Mm-hmm. And of course, for those of you who wish that you could do something, you know, you can buy a T-shirt. Casey makes all these T-shirts, and all the money is going, or the ones for the Tokies family. Which I, Howard, do you have this one yet? I don't know if you have this no. one. No, we'll send you one. Oh. But um. Are coming to the Orca Network, Toki's Legacy. So, and even um, Raynell has asked us now to donate whatever proceeds from the Scally Chaktanat design to the Orca Network as well. So, oh, how nice! So we'll get a push out here before Christmas, and then we'll be so busy we won't know we won't know what to do here. You know, this is where we do it. It's right over here. (laughs) But we'll get done. Yeah, right there in the studio. And that, and you know what? That that goes towards the Orca Network and education. You know, let's you should talk a little bit about Orca Network and the educational outreach and all of these things and Toki's legacy. Well, we've been at this uh, really since 95 when we started the the Tokitai Foundation is what we called it. And 
Uh, it's become Orca Network, and we have uh, annual events. We have our Ways of Wales mm-hmm. uh, symposium coming up in January. Um, I don't have the date real fresh in my mind right now, but uh, the save the date is online already. Um, and then that's followed in April by our Welcome the Whales, where we welcome the gray whales who come mm-hmm. in in the springtime. Um, and that's a parade and a big family event, and it's just a lot of fun. And we go yeah. down to the water and cast flowers in the water. And, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's And have a, a, a talk, you know, some kind of educational yeah. venue after that. Um, and really, it goes on year, all year long, because when people invite us to schools or clubs, groups, or uh, you know any other uh, you know venue that uh, we're invited to, we're likely to show up. Mm-hmm. We even auctioned ourselves off. Susan and I are going to do <laughs> an hour-long presentation for the uh, winner of us, <laughs> who is a veterinarian <laughs> in Texas. <laughs> so, so uh, you know, we do education in every which way that we can. So. Uh, I've I've been giving Orca 101 talks for a long time, and I I really you know enjoy doing that, and because there's just so much to learn about orcas, they're so fascinating, mm-hmm. and uh, and I'm still learning. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> and Howard is also a member of Toki TV, so you can always tune into Toki TV on the Toki's Legacy Orca Network page, and that's live. It's also on YouTube. Um, every, every Sunday, Sunday at every Sunday Pacific. at three o'clock central, four yeah. Eastern and one Pacific. Yep. I get so mixed up because I've been in so many different time zones <laughs> when we've done it. It's like, what time is it again? I forget. <laughs> so, but, yep. oh my gosh, this has been so fun, Howard. Thank you so much for coming on and, you know, telling us all these things. Cause it's, I could listen to you all day, as you know. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I enjoy talking with you. It's a lot of fun to talk to you and Heidi. Yeah, and I'm so ex- I'm so I'm so ex- I'm so amazed that you that you were the one that wrote that book that I kept talking about, and you said I wrote it. What, <laughs> what was it called again? Orcas in our midst. Orcas in our yeah, midst. Yeah, you know what? I think it's in my bookcase right over there. I'm going to go look for it right okay. now. I didn't know you okay. wrote it. I love it. I love it. Love it. Yep, yep. Because they're all around us. I mean, that's sort of that's the right. idea. Is that they're in our neighborhood? They're in our lives. Yes. You know, we should get to know them better, and and we are absolutely, absolutely. So, oh my gosh, we need we. Uh, thank you for coming on, and of course, we'll check back in with you in you know half a year or so and see what's going on then, because we like to keep keep in touch. So, looking forward. Thank you for joining. This has been great. Toki uh, Toki Tuesday. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Everyone in the chat room was very quiet. So I'm sure they were just, you know, enjoying the conversation with Howard. That was great. I love it. And um, have a happy Thanksgiving for those who are in the military and the troops who are listening. Please be safe. And thank you so much for your service. Yes. Thank you. And everybody in the chat room. Thanks for for being here and those of you listening wherever you are. Thank you so much for tuning in and uh, Para-X Radio Network. Thank you for hosting us once again. We love being here and Sarge, most amazing producer on the planet. Thank you so much for pulling this together and we will see you all next week. Night, everyone. <laughs>